Well, listen, I'm excited. It is Gatbo time, God at the box office. Anybody excited? Man, it's our favorite time of the year. We go above and beyond. We push the limits. We do everything short of sin to win people to Jesus. We are committed because we believe Jesus is the hope. And so, man, I just want to give a shout out. Thank you to all of our volunteers that help with the builds and the paints. And our, we have an amazing staff and team, uh, worship team, production. Can you just show your appreciation and recognition? Lawrenceburg, Florence. Come on, for everybody going above and beyond. So if you're new to Faith Church or this is your first time to a God at the Box Office series, it's this idea. First of all, I don't know about you guys, but I love a great movie, right? Anybody here like a good movie? Now, there are some movies you can go to and maybe they have some scares to them or maybe they have some things, some elements in them to, you know, just, uh, just get you through a movie. But I love a good movie that has a good storyline, something that carries you all the way through. I love a good movie that, that inspires you. Like you walk out and feel like you can take on the world or you walk out and you feel like, hey, I want to be a better husband or a better person, right? There are some really, really great movies and there's something that resounds in a good movie on the inside of us that connects because I believe that God has written his word in our hearts. And so you may not even be a Christ follower yet, but there's something that sometimes we see in culture and in a movie, and it's not necessarily like Hollywood is not representing God very well, but there are elements and there are themes in the movies that resound in our hearts and we connect with them. And so God at the Box Office is about us looking at some movies that are common in culture and peeling back the pages of that book or that movie and talking about those principles of what it looks like to follow God. What does it look like to walk out our faith? And so God at the box office is pulling all of the elements together, ultimately to point to Jesus. So when we walk out of this room, when we walk out of Lawrenceburg, when we log off, we have a better understanding and a better grasp, again, on what it looks like to love Jesus. Come on, how many people's in for that? So again, man, there's all kinds of stuff. In fact, there's, if you didn't notice, there's boxes of candy underneath your seat. I would encourage you to take that box with you. If you got milk duds or you got peanut M&Ms, the favor of the Lord is shining upon you. If you're sitting on a box of Skittles, you need to get your life right with Jesus. It's a sign from the Lord. For real, we just, we just pray the Lord would just work that out. Lord, sit the person on the box so they know. <laughs> so the movie we're looking at, right, there's all kinds of different genres out there. I'm just curious, what is your favorite genre of movie? How many people like a good horror movie? You, got, you like the scares? How many people like a good action movie? Like the bigger and the louder the explosions, the better the movie. What about a good romance, a little tearjerker, a good drama? That's my, probably my favorite. Anybody like just like a good drama? Here's one. What about a fantasy? We got any fantasy fans? There's all the nerds right there. Lift it loud and proud. I'm just kidding. Like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, all that genre. I'm down with that. See, I pulled you in. And then you got kind of the redheaded stepchildren of the spectrum. You got the documentaries. Anybody? I'm a documentary fan. And then you have what, in my estimation, at least up until this series, was the worst of movies you could possibly be forced to endure, and that is the musical. <laughs> the musical fan. So I'll be honest, getting ready for this series, we've been talking and planning on this for months and months, and getting ready to this, knowing we were going to do this series, I dreaded because it's my job to watch the movies and spend time in prayer and figure out what does God wanted to say to us through this movie. And I'll be honest, I just didn't, week four is High School Musical, I haven't watched it yet. I just, I'm not even there yet. But I'm going to be honest, watching this movie for today, The Greatest Showman, is such an incredible movie. It won me over. True story, I stood three times in my living room and applauded. 
How many people have seen The Greatest Showman? Come on, Lawrenceburg, Florence. I mean, it's such a powerful movie. First of all, Hugh Jackman did a phenomenal job. Anytime you got Wolverine that can kill somebody with metal claws out of their hand and then get in another movie and sing and inspire you to cry, I mean, they just deserve all kinds of awards. And so it's an incredible movie. If you've not even seen the movie, I would challenge you to watch it. But the heartbeat of the movie is simply this. It is somewhat a truth. Anytime Hollywood says based on a true story, if it's 1% true, they can say that. Take a lot of liberty in telling the story. But The Greatest Showman is based on the story in the life of P.T. Barnum, who was the originator of the American uh, Circus. And really, there are so many themes to be captured and talked about in this movie. But the one I want to lean into is really what I think is the primary principle in the movie. And it's that P.T. Barnum had a way of taking those who were on the fringe of society, those who were outcasts, those who were not accepted, not recognized, and very much rejected. And he gave them a place. He gave them a purpose. He gave them a paycheck. He gave them a family. And he took these people who were in the dark and in the shadows and put them on a platform. And it's really this powerful story, really, if you could culminate it on to saying this, it's a story about insiders and outsiders. And what's so cool about that is because today we're going to lean into a story of Jesus that he tells, and it's a parable. Again, Jesus taught in parables, which he took things that were very common in culture. I believe if Jesus were doing his ministry today, he would use probably movies. Jesus would use farming and birds and baking bread. He would use things that were common to people, and he would teach spiritual principles. And one of the parables that Jesus taught was this parable about a party. The parable, it's known as the parable of the wedding feast. I want us to read it together. It's kind of long, but let's lean into this. Matthew chapter 22. Again, he kind of aligns this same idea that we find in the movie. Jesus pulls out here in the wedding feast. Matthew 22, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus also told them, told them other parables. And he said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fatted cattle have been killed, AKA barbecue, and everything is ready Everybody shout these next four words with me. Come on, Lawrenceburg, Florence. One, two, three, four. Come to the banquet. One more time. Come. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm and another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. And the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. The guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite, come on, say it with me, everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? The man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and his feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And that that's tough. If you're, if you're new to church, it's probably a lot to get your arms around. If you've been in church for a while, this is commonly known as one of the most challenging parables that Jesus taught. I don't know if you hear it, but it's filled with themes of hope. Same time, there's some things that Jesus says that's pretty harsh. We're going to lean into all of it, but the culmination of it is this, and I love it. 
is you, again, anytime Jesus tells a parable, you have to figure out who are you in the parable. Every parable Jesus tells, you are in the parable somewhere. What you need to do is figure out who am I in the parable. Let me bring out the leading cast so you know you're not them. The leading cast in the parable is this king who throws a banquet for his son. The king, if you don't know, is God the father. Come on, the king is God and God is the king. He's throwing a party for his son is a picture of God the father celebrating Jesus and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. And then he sends out an invitation and there are three groups and every one of you in this room, every one of you in Lawrenceburg, every one of you watching online, including myself, we are in one of these three categories. The invitation went out to everybody and there's some that wouldn't come, there's some that shouldn't come, and there's some that couldn't come. Every one of you in this room, either you wouldn't come to the party, you shouldn't come to the party, or you couldn't come to the party. And we're going to put everybody, we're going to figure out who we are, and we're going to believe God's going to change our lives today. Come on, how many people was down for that? So it's a, big, it's a big story, right? And so we start figuring out, like, who are the key players in this? And I, I love it because Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God. That's the topic. He's, he's comparing the kingdom of God to a party. A lot of you, you have this mindset that serving God and following Jesus in a life of faith, like God should have compared it to like a, a, a funeral. Come on, it, this is a party. What we're called to do is a life-changing celebration. If you're not having fun serving Jesus, you're not doing it right. It's a party. Everybody say it's a party. And so it's this incredible party outlines. And the main subject that he's talking about is this idea called the kingdom of God, the K-O-G. What is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? That's what Jesus says. He says, there's a king who throws a celebration for his son. He likens it. He compares it to the kingdom of God. What is the KOG? The KOG is this idea of what does it look like for you and I to live our life surrendered to the reign of God, to the rule of God. That's what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not this thing that's going to happen in the future. The kingdom of God is now. When Jesus showed up, he preached the kingdom of God is here. It's near. It's right now. It's not something that's going to happen one day when you die. The kingdom of God is what happens when, when we follow Jesus, when we serve, when we surrender our finances. What does it look like for your finances to be under the rule of God? What does it look like for your marriage and your family? What does it look like for a government? What does it look like for a group of people to be underneath the rule and the reign of God? That's the kingdom of God. So if you're taking notes, the KOG, the kingdom of God, is not where you go when you die. It's what comes to you when you find life in Christ. So when you say yes to Jesus, you step into the kingdom of God, and more importantly, the kingdom of God steps into you, the KOG. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. So we know who the cast is. We know what the subject is. And again, it culminates into this idea of who are these people? The wouldn't, the shouldn't, and the couldn't. And if we navigate through this, we're going to figure it out because ultimately when Jesus steps on the scene and he's telling this parable, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, one of the things he made clear and he said it over and over again, he used phrases like this, I'm the door, I'm the way. What he was saying was the only way into the kingdom of God, the only way into a relationship with God, Jesus said, I'm the only way. Buddha can't get you there. Allah can't get you there. Morality can't get you there. Ethics can't get you there. Going to church can't get you there. Jesus said, I'm the only way. And when he told this group of religious people who had been waiting hundreds of years for the promised prophesied Messiah, for this Christ to come, when Jesus showed up and said, I'm him, they didn't like him very much. And Jesus said, if you reject the way, then you can't get into the kingdom, which is the first group of people that he talks to, those who wouldn't come to the party. 
that wouldn't come, those who wouldn't come to the party. Now think about this. Imagine if you're sitting down with some of your greatest friends. I'm talking about like, not those, not the fair weather friends. Anybody here, listen, anybody here have one or two really great friends that are there for you no matter what? Raise your hand. Listen, you ought to be thankful because really great friends are hard to come by. Imagine, come on, imagine you're sitting with your best friends in the whole world. And you're sitting and you're talking about some date that you know is going to come in the future. Like you just found out, ladies, you're pregnant. And you're like, I'm going to have this amazing, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this baby shower. It's going to be lit. We're going to have lots of fun and laughs. And you're talking about the food you're going to have. Imagine you're sitting talking about this big event that's coming. You know it's coming. November 9th, 2021, I turned the big 5-0. Let's go for the 5-0 because I still look good. Come on, somebody. So imagine I'm sitting. I know it's coming November 9th. I don't see anybody writing it down. November 9th, 11-9. <laughs> Imagine I'm sitting with my best friends in the whole world. And I'm like, hey, 5-0 this year. It's going to be amazing. Let's get together. We're going to do a thing at my house. Or we're going to rent, we're gonna rent a, a limousine. And we're going to go out on the town. And we're going to hit these spots. It's going to be on fire. It's going to be an amazing celebration. And November 9th, 2021 comes, and I call on my friends who are there like, Pastor, it's going to be amazing. Steve, it's going to be incredible. And I call them, hey, man, tomorrow's or today's the day. And they're like, I can't come. Something came up. I got to study for an exam. I got to work some OT. I forgot, and I already made other plans. How would you feel if you set this big party with your friends, and the day came, and they all made excuses that they couldn't show up? Because that's what God is saying in this story. He's saying, I've established a celebration through my son Jesus, and a bunch of you said you were coming, and the day came, and you aren't showing up. There's those who just wouldn't show up. If you're not clear what we're talking about, we're talking about, remember you prayed the prayer? God, I give my life to you. You said you would show up. A lot of you, man, we've baptized hundreds of people in the last couple years here at Faith Church. Come on, make some noise for that. When you went down into the water and you came up in front of your friends and your family and your faith church crew, what you were saying was, I'm going to the party. When you prayed the prayer, you said, I'm going to the party. When you became a member of this house, you said, I'm going to the party. The question is, are you showing up? The time has come. Are you coming to the party? Because when the invitation went out here in the parable that Jesus tells, people started saying, oh, I got to work. I forgot I got something going on with my family. See, a lot of us, it's easy to say we're going to serve God, but oftentimes we elevate our situation over the invitation. I got something else more important. I, I, I would like to be in the house, Pastor, but, but I got another AAU tournament this weekend. Oh, he's getting real today. <laughs> but it's the river for the ninth week in a row. Or we're in a relationship and we're afraid if we don't do what our partner wants and we don't compromise our principles, even though we're going to dishonor God, we don't want to lose this person. We elevate our situation over the invitation. And so we've got a lot of people that are talking a big game, but the cell, Jesus has come. Our Savior has showed up. He has rescued us and redeemed us. Now it's time for everybody to come underneath the reign of God and to follow him with all of ours. Are you going to show it when the rubber meets the road? Are you following Jesus? Because if the answer is no, then you're the group that just wouldn't come. And you got to like lean into the elephant in the room. Now, before I talk about the elephant in the room, let me just remind you, God is the one who issued the invitation. Like it reflects the heart of God. It's funny, and I even have caught myself saying this through the years that I found Jesus. When did, you, when did you give your life to Christ? When did you find Jesus? I found Jesus March 19, 1989. That's not true. I didn't find Jesus. I wasn't even looking for him. 
but he's been looking for me since the day I stepped on planet Earth. Jesus found me, March 19, 1990. He's the one that issued the invitation for me. to. It's not my party that he came to. It's his party that I got invited to. Come on, is anybody thankful they got an invitation to the party? But the elephant in the room, are you ready for this? Because this, this is going to hurt maybe a little bit. This might offend you. I'm just telling you, Jesus was sometimes offensive. How does the king, how does he deal? What's his response to the rejection? Are you ready? When he finds out there's a group of people that said they would come but then didn't come, here's what he says. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn down their town. See, we don't like that because we like pictures of God where he's this daft old uncle who's just glad we show up and pay him some attention. And like, he's just kind of clueless and he's this big God on a, on a rocking chair somewhere. And like, he just loves everybody all the time, no matter what. No, he says, listen, I, I, I sacrificed my son to throw this party and you said you were in and you're out. And he says, listen, for all of you that won't come to the party, King was furious. He destroyed him. And that might go contrary to your image of God, but I'd rather go to what Jesus said God was and who Jesus said God was rather than who you think he is. And so let's talk about what this means because very specifically in context, about 40 years after Jesus said this, the group of religious people that refused to acknowledge Jesus and follow him, the Roman army came into the city of Jerusalem and scorched it, burned it to the ground and destroyed the temple, did exactly what Jesus said would happen. So whether Jesus is talking about literally or hyperbole. Here's what you need to know. Without Christ, your life is headed for ruin. We believe he's the hope of the world. We believe he's the only one who can bring us peace, joy, and righteousness. I'm just here to tell you, listen to me, a job's not going to fulfill you. A relationship's not going to fulfill you. A bank account's not going to fulfill you. A business isn't going to fulfill you. A degree isn't going to fulfill you. The only thing that's ever going to fulfill you is the one who created you, called you, and died for you, and his name is Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you're the, you wouldn't come to the party. Like you prayed the prayer, you said you'd be there, and man, the opportunity came for you to follow Jesus and you're everywhere but. And then Jesus transitions and he goes from this first group of people and he goes from those who wouldn't come to those who shouldn't come. Now this is where really the story of the greatest showman comes in because here's what the story says the way Jesus told it. Watch this. He says this, now go into the street after the wooden comes, didn't come. He said, now go into the streets. Everybody say this, Lawrenceburg, Florence, every voice. Go out into the street corners and invite who? Everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find. I love this. Good and bad alike. And the banquet hall, this is the heart of God right here. We say it when people, I, I text pastors all the time, and we challenge each other on Sundays, and I always say this, let's crowd heaven. You know, God is looking for a crowded heaven. He's not looking for a select few to show up. He's looking to crowd heaven right here. This is his heart for his kingdom. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. Right here, what we got, shoulder to shoulder. I'm telling you, man, God loves a crowded room. But P.T. Barnum, he ought to be sued by the kingdom of God for uh, copyright infringement. Because <laughs> going to get the people on the fringe and bring them in was not P.T. Barnum's idea. It was God's idea. So again, P.T. Barnum, he goes out into the streets and he invites the wolf man, this guy that's hairy, and he invites the tall man and the strong man, this guy that's incredibly obese and large, and the bearded woman. Again, all these fringe 
society people that just didn't deserve a place and society had cast out into the shadows and the alleyways and they weren't even recognized by their own family. And P.T. Barnum, again, he gives them a platform and a purpose. This is who God is. When God issues an invitation to his party, the invitation is for everyone. Come on, everybody say that too. Everyone. I want you to know that that is really the heart of the Father. That's not our heart. I mean, I think if we're honest, all of us have sat in judgment of someone else. We've sat at the sidelines. We went to an event, our, our kids' baseball event, or we went to our daughter's cheerleading event. There's always those one or two students who are like, they don't deserve to be on the team. Or we watch people show up in an environment, show up in our workplace, show up in the campus, and we sit in judgment. They don't belong. They don't fit. I just want you to know something. God looks out, and the Bible says, because those who were originally invited because they wouldn't come, God went to those who shouldn't come. And when I say they shouldn't come, that wasn't God's perspective. That wasn't the king's perspective. Oftentimes, that's our perspective about others or sometimes our own perspective of ourselves. Have you ever felt like you pushed the line too far? Did too much bad? Felt like God didn't love you? I remember as an early Christ follower or before I came to Christ again, I was dating who is now my wife. And many of you guys have heard this before, but it's my testimony that my mother-in-law at that time, just the mother of the girl I was dating, said if I was going to date her daughter, I had to go to church. That's what got me to church. Parents, I'm here to tell you, if you'll set some standards for your kids, you'll be shocked what God can do through them. And so I started going to church. But when I went to church, I didn't fit in church because I knew where I was at the night before. Oftentimes, I was out late, late at night or actually early in the morning partying and carrying on and doing all kinds of things I shouldn't do and would show up in, at, at church on Sunday morning. And like I knew people were looking at me like, hey, he don't belong here. I looked at myself and said, I don't belong here. But you know what? I got an invitation just like anybody else in that building and anybody in this room or anybody in the world. We all get an invitation to the party. So stop letting the enemy or stop letting other people tell you you shouldn't come. I love it because notice what it says. When, when the servants went out to the streets, it says they invited everyone. Watch this, the good and the bad. Which if you're here and you're like, I don't really know if I need an invitation because I'm a pretty good person. Like, I mean, I've done a lot of good and I'm like, I've been in church. I grew up in Sunday school. And listen, I don't care how good you are. Even good people need an invitation. You can't show up to the party without an invitation. And I love the flip side because even the worst of the worst, the bad people, they got an invitation too. So if you're here and you think you deserve one or you think you're here and you are never worthy an invitation, what I want you to see in this story is everybody. Everyone got an invitation. If you're taking notes, this is powerful. The size of God's passion, his love for people, the size of God's passion is reflected in the scope of his invitation. You know how much God loves people? He invited everyone. I want you to know at Faith Church, everyone's invited. White people and black people, red people, rich people, poor people, tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people, agnostic people, atheist people, Methodist people, Church of Christ people. I know there's a lot of Church of Christ people don't write me. It's a joke. <laughs> Jesus issues an invitation to everyone because the only place you're going to experience life and hope and joy and salvation is in the party. So you got to get an invitation. Come on. Everyone is welcome to the party. <laughs> so then Jesus changes gears and he goes from the first group of people, those who wouldn't come, said they would come got too busy to come. Their situation was more important than the invitation. They didn't come. So he goes out, wants to crowd heaven. He wants to fill his party. So everyone gets an invitation and all these people show up. And then it goes from this, imagine, imagine in the movie, we see this, we go from the crowd to this tight shot. 
like the, the camera zooms in on one person in the crowd. And the Bible says this one person is the people that couldn't come to the party. There's some people that want to come. They heard the invitation. They're showing up. But there's people just too many times we just want to show up on our own terms. While God issues the invitation to everyone, it's still his party. And he gets to set the terms on what the party looks like. And so there's this group, and watch this, the camera hones in, and there's this one guy, and the Bible says this, watch this, the king noticed that a man wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. So he zooms in, in this culture, in this time, if there was a, if there was a celebration, specifically a wedding, it was up to the father to issue clothes for all the guests. Come on, all you, all you girls that have been, been bridesmaids, and you were forced to buy an ugly dress you would never wear again. Like you were given clothes, but you were expected to wear the clothes you were given. And so the reason this guy stands out is because he's the only one not wearing the garments that have been handed out. He's wearing his own stuff. Now, here's what's crazy about this story is I can relate so real to this story because this just happened to me about a month ago. Now, we live in a culture that is increasingly casual, which I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for. 20 years ago, I was wearing a suit every Sunday. Now I wear jeans every Sunday. I can wear either, but I'd rather wear jeans. And so, but it's, it's getting more and more casual. In fact, I mean, I'm sounding a little judgmental because I am too. Like, I've seen people show up like in raggedy shorts and slides to a funeral, probably a little too casual. Come on, be judgmental with me so I don't feel so bad now. He's like. <laughs> right? I mean, things have just gotten increasingly casual and it's okay. Now, here's what you need to know is when I have the privilege to perform someone's ceremony, when I do a wedding for somebody, I always have this conversation. Hey, what are you wearing? Because I want to wear what they wear, or at least the best I can. If they're wearing jeans, I'm not wearing a suit. But if they're wearing suits and tuxes, I don't want to show up in jeans. In fact, back in the day, anybody here can relate with me, can understand this, right? There used to be a time you wanted to be the best dressed person in the room. Yep. Come on, anybody remember those times? All the over 40 crowd wave at me, so I don't feel old. <laughs> now, the goal is not to be the best dressed person in the room. The goal is just not to be the worst dressed person in the room. And so anytime I'm going to a wedding, and I'll say, hey, what, what are you wearing? And then I even raise my game. What colors are you wearing? Because if I can match you, I will. We will look good together. <laughs> so I recently did the wedding of Naomi, who is now Naomi Barnett. Holt is one of our drummers. Naomi is the director of kids ministry up in Lawrenceburg. Let's show her some love. <laughs> Naomi, we love you. You're killing it up there, you and your team. For the night of the wedding was the rehearsal. And so especially rehearsals are typically pretty casual. And so the day, the weekend came for this wedding that I was doing for Naomi and Holt. The rehearsal day came. I was busy all day. In fact, I wore this shirt on purpose because this is the shirt I was wearing, a Journey t-shirt. I had incredibly ripped up jeans, more skin than jeans. Not that much, but you know what I'm saying. And I had on white Air Force Ones. That's what I was running errands in all day. And it started getting closer to the time that I had to go to the rehearsal and I'll be honest, I got kind of lazy and I thought these rehearsals are so casual. I was going to go change into something a little nicer, but I didn't. I thought everybody's going to be casual there. I pulled up in front of the venue. I pulled up. Miss Naomi comes out from behind this house where the venue is to greet me. She's in this beautiful white dress. And immediately I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> but I thought, you know, she's probably, it's just her, it's her wedding. She's probably the only one. And I went around to the back and everybody's in slacks and button-ups and dress shoes and loafers. I'm like, Jesus, please rapture me now. Please come quickly, Lord. I mean, I felt, for real, I just felt so bad. I felt so out of place. Here's this wedding and I'm like, I don't fit in at all. It was, I'm telling you, it was, it was the worst moment. 
And so I really, I left as soon as I it was over, like I was out of there the whole way home. I'm like, you are such an idiot. You should have, you should have changed. And I get home and my wife is so good. She gives me some empathy and she's like, Steve, don't worry about it. They didn't think anything about it. It's no big deal. And so she talks me off the ledge, right? Well, the next day I go to the wedding. Now I'm in a suit. I feel much better. And I show up and this is how I knew I dropped the ball. Contrary to what my wife said, I won't tell you who said this because they're probably watching and I don't want them to know how bad they hurt my feelings. But the next day at the wedding when I'm in a suit, I go up to one of the people that was there at the rehearsal, and he's like, man, pastor, you really clean up, which is his way of saying, we're glad you didn't look like you did yesterday. <laughs> but I say all that to say I could relate. I really knew I probably shouldn't have worn those clothes, but I was just too lazy to go home and change. And so I wore what I wanted to wear instead of what I probably thought they wanted me to wear. This is exactly what's happening in this story. Is this guy, he heard the invitation and he accepted the invitation, but he wanted to come to someone else's party on his terms. No shirt, no shoes. It's their store. Anybody can shop at the store, but if you want to go in the store, there are some minimum criteria components. And this guy was not willing to put on the clothes that was, that was supplied by the king. If you're taking notes, acceptance is dependent on the apparel. If you want to be accepted in the party, you got to put on the clothes the king wants you to wear. And you're like, what are you talking about? The clothes I'm talking about is a lot of us are putting on clothes of self-righteousness I'm telling you, the best you on your best day, doing the best you can ever do, God says your righteousness is like filthy rags. You're looking in the mirror like, mm, I look good. And God's like, no, you're a filthy mess. Let me give you some good clothes to wear. And the clothes we get to wear is we get to put on the righteousness of Jesus. Would you put your hope in Jesus Christ, God's son, who showed up on a rescue mission from heaven to earth to die on the cross of Calvary for the sins of humanity? When you put your hope in who he is and what he's done for you, what you do is you put on the clothing of Christ. You cover yourself in the righteousness that's a gift given at the door for the invitation for everybody to accept. And this guy said, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And the, and, and the king said, hey, no, no, then you don't get to stay at the party. Now, side note real quick. Here's the good news in this little bit because it seems like it's kind of tough to chew on. Here's the good news is I love it. I love it that the king, the king is the judge and not the Karens. Come on, we got a lot of Karens that show up in church, want to judge how everybody's dressed and judge how everybody's talking. And Listen, if you're a Karen, you need to step your opinion outside the situation. Only one who gets the final word is the king, not the Karen. So... But what you need to notice is the king has an opinion. Ultimately, it's this. Christ is our covering. Is Christ your covering? If you're trying to show up, if you're trying to show up to the celebration, if you're trying to show up into the kingdom, if you're showing up saying, hey, I want to serve God, you got to come on his terms and not your terms, which means you got to humble yourself and recognize I need Jesus as my savior. I need a covering for my sin. I need forgiveness of the mistakes I made. So the invitations to anyone, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever lifestyle you're living, you have an invitation. But when you come to the door, you got to come on his terms. The good news is he gives us the gift of righteousness if you'll accept it. Come on, is anybody thankful for the gift? <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to close the story on a tough note because the parable closes on a tough note. This guy who showed up, he got the invitation, probably shouldn't have been there, been there, but the king gave an invitation to everyone, so he goes. And it's really clear in the story. He knew he didn't have the right clothes on. He was, that's why he was speechless. He didn't say a word when the king asked him. Now remember, the king is God. God is the king. 
And Jesus giving us a picture of what God is like and what the kingdom is like. And I know you don't like this, but the king looks at this man that wants to come on in his own terms and he says, grab that man and bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, again, maybe that doesn't compute with your picture of God, but Jesus said, be clear. When you refuse to repent of sin, when you refuse to do life on God's terms, the option, the option is you get cast out. Now, the heart of the Father is already clear. He doesn't want to see you go. He wants you to stay for the celebration. Now, here's why it's so hard for us to get is because maybe you came up in a church or grew up in a church or came up underneath a preacher that convinced you that God's mad at the world and he hates everybody and he's just waiting for people to mess up. That's not the picture Jesus gives us of God the Father at all. Jesus doesn't hurl anybody to hell. You just choose not to put on the clothes he offers. It's your choice. And here's why it sounds so bad. Listen to the picture he paints of really what hell is. Cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's why. It's because God is the only source of life. And when you get separated from the only source of life, you're left with death. God is the only source of light. He is the light of the world. And when you get separated from the only source of true light, the only thing you're left with is outer darkness. When you get separated from the only source of joy, the only thing that's left is weeping. When you get separated from the only source of peace, what you're left with is gnashing of teeth. So it's not this picture of a God who hates you, who's mad at you, who can't wait to get you out of his presence and go on and go to hell. He's like, no, I want you with me. I issued an invitation. I gave you the covering so you could stay in the celebration. But if you won't come, that's an option. And if you've got to come on your own terms, that's the option. And you get to spend an eternity away from the only source of life and light and joy and peace. And so if you want it on your terms, then what you're left with is outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I don't want you to miss this story. It's a story of a good God who loves you enough he sent his son. And it's a celebration. And everybody's invited to the party. He's done all the work. He's footed the bill. And anybody can come. All you got to do is say yes. Will you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that every one of us in this room and everybody in Lawrenceburg, I pray everybody hearing this message would decide who are we in the story. Some of you, you're the religious. You're the ones that won't come. You said you would come. You said you would serve Jesus. You said you would follow him, but you're not. It's just not convenient for you right now. Some of you in this room, you're the, you're the couldn't. You came, but it's on your terms, and you can't come that way. You have to come on God's terms. And some of you need to make a decision today. I'm going to come on God's terms. I want to cover myself in the righteousness of Jesus. Because really, at the end of the day, all of us are shouldn'ts. We don't belong, but God made a boy. He made a place at his table for you and I. And so whoever you are, if you're here and you need to repent, you need to say, God, forgive me for saying yes and living no. God, forgive me for relying on my own covering. I need Jesus. All of us, that's us. I want us to pray a simple prayer together. If you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus, if you're in Lawrenceburg and you want to say yes to the invitation to the party, I want us to pray this together, both campuses, everyone online, out loud. Come on, say it. Say, Jesus, thank you for the invitation to the party. You included me. 
I don't deserve it, but I'm coming to the party. Forgive me of my sin. Become my savior. I put all of my hope in you for what you did for me, that you died for my sin, that you rose the third day. And today I become your child. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus?